What's up guys, Jeremy Shirk here coming at you from Austin, Texas, and I am sitting next to the legendary RDM, Ryan Daniel Moran, the founder and CEO of Capitalism.com, the future owner of the Cleveland Indians. Bingo. <laughs> Ryan's been a good friend and mentor to me over, wow, going all the way back to 2013 going now. Going back to Bangkok. When we first met at the Bangkok airport and you know this to a degree, some of you know this who've been watching my videos, but that, at that point in Bangkok when I met Ryan, it was a very, very low point in my life. It was one of the darkest periods of my life. I had moved there, I was living the four hour work week. I'll link to a video I did telling that story, but it quickly turned into this sort of empty, unfulfilling experience for me. Yeah. I, I questioned myself, I questioned um, my you know, what my purpose was, what I was doing, what truly would fulfill me. And I was very nervous at that Bangkok airport before meeting you. You may not know, I don't think I've ever told you that. No, but definitely not. We met through that private business group. Yep. I actually had no business being there. I was 100K in debt. Um, I had had some successes with um, internet business and doing different things. But at that point, again, I didn't have a good social network. I was, I was lonely, I was depressed in Bangkok. Huh. You had given me word that you were coming over. We had never met. I'm like, yeah, let's meet up. We had one Skype call. We had one quick Skype call prior. And I'm here at the Bangkok airport. And I'm like, oh, you know, here's this high achieving, you know, guy, millionaire running a business. And like, I'm just questioning myself and my worth and my value. But we had an amazing 10 days there. He taught me how to deadlift. I taught Ryan. Which now I am obsessed with deadlifts. I taught Ryan. My life. That's, that's my claim to teaching Ryan something is, is how to deadlift. I do remember that hitting the gym there in Bangkok. But you, um, you know, those 10 days we spent together in, in Bangkok, riding motorbikes around Koh Samui, um, had a very, very big impact on me. And I, I know I've told you that to a degree, but you really helped kind of pivot my life into a new direction. Mm. And when I look back on, on the following years wow. after that, um, there's been periods of times where we haven't been in touch, but you know, whether it's coming to your events, or getting mentorship from you on, on our business, you've had a tremendous, tremendous impact. And we always on pick up life. right where we left off. And we always pick up right where we left off. And, and I've talked to you guys a lot about finding mentors, finding people more successful than you, finding people that are really pu pushing the envelope and, and pushing your normal. Um, I'm living proof of that. And, and Ryan has been just a huge, huge influence on me. Thanks, man. I, I just, I wanna ask you, like you're one of the most driven ambitious people I know and, and I just want to know what is what is your why what drives you to do what you do uh, man it's so politically not popular to be like I don't know um, except that I am very curious to know how far I can go and I, I think most people stay in a certain uh, mindset and at a certain level because of fear I don't think there's any surprise to that and if you just define for yourself what you need in order to be able to satisfy and calm that fear, then everything else is bonus land. I mean, what, one of the things that, I, that most people forget is we are, we are in the safest, most abundant, uh, longest period of peacetime ever before in history. We kind of have it made being alive in today's world. And uh, if, if this video is on YouTube, we'll get a few hateful comments. People say like, haven't you seen the news? It's like, no, like murders are at their lowest rate. War is at its lowest rate. It, uh, lifespan's at its longest time. We're in the most abundant time in history. And so for me, 
outlining the fact that if you fail, if you if everything goes down, you're still pretty much good. Like you are still pretty much in the best time ever to be alive. So all, everything else is upside. And and for that reason, I just want to see how like what's the biggest risk I can take and what happens as a result of that. How how good can I be? How 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 big can I play? And so the 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 curiosity of knowing how far I can go uh, and, and combine that with time of always playing full out and seeing how far we can go. It's just a game to me and I just want to see how good it can get. Now, I know all too well and I know you've had experience with this, but that, I mean, this drive and this ambition you have, there can also be a downside to that. And I totally. know you've struggled with burnout. I've struggled with burnout. Could you just talk about you, you know your struggle with that, and, yeah. and how you how you how you. Yeah, work well, with that. I'll talk about the struggle, and then I'll tell you the cause and the fix. Okay. How about, how about that? Perfect. So, so my struggle is I tend to go in three to four year cycles, where I will grind and grind and grind and grind, and then I feel like I have built something that I can't handle. It's like trying to squat four hundred pounds when your max is two fifty. You just like. You, like, you can stack the weight and be like, oh, I'm going to lift this. I'm gonna, and then you get it and, you, and it just, you just crumble under the weight. And what I have tended to do in my life is stack the weight on too fast rather than build up to the 400-pound squat. And um, eventually you can, make, you can do that squat. But if you add the weight on, you get hurt. And in my experience, I have a temptation to add on the weight too quickly in the form of new projects, in the form of hiring too fast, in the form of spreading myself too thin. There's a, there's a, a mentor and a coach that I follow um, and that I pay to talk to me once in a while named Dan Sullivan. And Dan says, entrepreneurs <clears throat> have a habit of when they are going through a difficult time or they hit a plateau, their brain protects them by giving them the one kick that they know how to get, which is looking for something new to do, which is starting a new project, having another half-built bridge. And as entrepreneurs, we tend to build these half-built bridges and then collapse under their weight because there's nothing that's actually completed that is bringing us forward. So that was me. That was That's my burnout, is building all these half-built bridges and trying to carry 400 pounds on my back when I'm not yet ready to be able to do that. And I learned by mistake and I, I wish I didn't have to learn that way, but that's the way that I have, have learned the fastest in the past, as I sink or swim and adjust where necessary, but sometimes that hurts. Now, what I have found is that kind of the root of that, the root and the reason why I do that, and, and when I've shared this, other entrepreneurs have echoed this, is because they're putting their time and their energy into what we'd call grinding or hustling, and, and doing the things that don't feel natural to us and doing the things that are, that are not easy for us, that are not effortless for us. And this, is such, this has been such a hard lesson for me to learn that I make the most money when I do the things that I'm naturally good at that are effortless for me, that leave me with more energy. At the end of our recording, I will have more energy because I love doing this stuff. When I speak on stage, I have more energy as a result of doing it. It's the thing that I'm good at and that I enjoy, and it's the thing that ends up developing the, the, the most impact for other people, which ultimately makes me more money. Whereas most of us find a system that we want to follow, we try to replicate the system, 
and we put all of our energy into forcing ourselves to do it rather than focusing on the things that are effortless and easy for us. And so the sweet spot that you ultimately come to is can you put your hustle into something that gives you more energy, thus creating a compound effect. And that's how you avoid burnout. That's how people have that hockey stick growth because when you're in that zone of being able to work hard at something for long enough because it's energizing for you, you don't burn out and that's when you see results and success. So I'm picking up two things from that, Ryan. It is one, finding your strengths and aligning your efforts with those strengths and learning to perhaps delegate or, or bring people around you that can fulfill those areas that as an entrepreneur, as someone who's type A and like hustle, grit, will just end up doing and attacking, like finding the discipline to just focus on your strengths while bringing others in to, to handle Eventually, those Eventually, yeah. I mean, when you're starting out, you're obviously not going to be surrounded by a bunch of people. And but by, by, by do it all, we feel like we have to do all of these different things. The truth is you probably need to do two of those 10 things that you are doing. And they're the two things that are producing the most result and producing the most enjoyment for you. That's why we're in this game, right? We're in this game to see how great our lives can get. And we think that more money is going to do that and that by doing this one thing, trading our energy or happiness to get money is going to offset the energy that we put into it. The truth is if you go to where your energy is natural, you end up making more money as a result of doing that. I, I have a mentor who says the purpose of money is 100% fun. Once your basic needs are met, the, the reason that I want more money is because I want to have more fun. And the purpose of people is to allow me to stay in the things that are fun. And so my life just gets better and better and better. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting closer as I strip away and say no to the things that are not energizing, that don't produce that valuable ROI for me. An entrepreneur starting out, they're trying to do everything on their own. They have to, because they maybe don't have the, the revenue to make hires, and they're just getting started in this game. Maybe they don't even know what their strengths are. Like, what, what advice would you give them? Like, yeah, what, you, what you, would they... you get that feedback from the marketplace. I, 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 once again, I struggle with this, or I, I journal voraciously. And I journal because there's thoughts going in my head all of the time. And I don't want to forget a lot of them. Or I just need to get them out because I don't want them in my head anymore. And I have a tendency to try and figure everything out before I do anything. That doesn't usually feel good. It doesn't feel good to stay up here and think and try and, and struggle. But it does feel good to be in motion. So it's, it, it is the, where, the place that you get your feedback on what to keep all of your attention on comes from the marketplace. It comes from the feedback that you get from your customers. It comes from the feedback that you get from social media comments. It comes from what is spreading. A mistake that I have made is focusing on trying to make things that aren't working work. Employees, products, podcasts, topics, pieces of content, trying to turn losers into winners is a lot harder than trying to scale winners. And you will have eight, eight losers and two winners. Most people will put their attention on the two losers. Focus your attention on the two winners. The, the products that are, that are easy to fulfill, making you money and that customers love, the content that people resonate with that spreads on its own, those are the things you maximize rather than trying to focus your attention on the things that aren't working. And that's, that's how you avoid burnout, by doing the things that are easy 
that are having that impact, and that's going to require a lot of experimentation and then doubling down on what works. You said a couple of things over your backroom event these past two days, is the reason I'm down here in Austin, that stood out to me, and that was, a great business is only as good as the people you are working with. Every successful business or investment comes down to the people. Right. Who you're doing business with matters more than what you are doing, and that yes. resonated with me because, again, in Thailand, when I was alone on my own, living the four-hour work week, I wasn't surrounded by people that I that inspired me, that people yeah. that I wanted to be around. So it didn't matter what you did. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how you did I it. was on the beach in Thailand. I was in paradise. I was living the dream by the conventional, you know, society's conventional definition. But it was very unfulfilling. It was empty. And now with the company Nested Naturals, where we've hired people with the shared sense of values, people that I do love and that inspire me and that I want to be around, we're building a great business. I'm much more fulfilled. And that just really resonated with me yesterday. Do you want to just talk a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, totally. So I remember the happiest day of my life. Uh, and this seems so silly, but I was in college and I was standing in my dorm room, which was, you know, probably like 300 square feet or something. You know, it's basically the size of this chair. And I have a bed and a bookshelf and a desk and a, a rack of clothes. And I remember looking around and saying, I have everything I need. I have everything I could possibly want or need. The cafeteria is across the street from me. My best friends live next door. My other best friends live on the other side because I was surrounded with people that I loved doing life with. There's a, there's a song by a band, my favorite band ever is, named, is called Anne Berlin. And they have a... a a phrase in one of their songs that says, what's it worth if what it's worth is alone? And, and it's this idea of we're all working towards something, but what is that thing worth if it's done with people that you don't enjoy doing it with? And so often we compromise that. And when in reality, the answer to almost everything is who. You know, you know, who you do business with, who you spend your time with. We all can point to times when we had nothing or we weren't doing anything, but we were people who we loved and that energized us. We all have those friends that we can just do nothing with, and it's fine, because we're with so-and-so, versus we could be having, doing the greatest thing ever, but it's with that person that just freaking drives crazy. It's not fun anymore, right? So it, it is, like, even what you want your life to look like, it's not what you're doing, it's not even where you're doing it, it's almost always who you're doing it with. And, and I only know this from making this mistake many times. Ideas are nothing until you identify who you're doing it with. You know, business ideas don't hit until you identify who it is for. Doing things are not fun unless you identify who you're doing it with. Sometimes that's yourself. And if you don't like yourself, uh, then it's even worse. But it's almost always down to who. Not what, not when, not how, but who. And I had a few people or one individual, and then even a couple of weeks ago, people asking me, how do you motivate your employees? And I say, we hire people that are already inherently motivated, and that's a big part of the who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. When it comes to bringing people on board with your team and making hires, again, it's the values. As a health and wellness company with Nested Naturals, we want people who value health and wellness. Like that's going to make it such a more enjoyable experience. We want people who are, into, who are driven, who are into personal growth, because that's what we are all about. Um, you should have a vision. 
Like you should be able to communicate the vision of where you're going. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to be inspired by where you're going. But Southwest Airlines used to try and they would say that they're the friendliest airline in the skies. So they would train their people to be friendly. And they were like, you know, I think what would be easier is if we just hired friendly people. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's totally it. And you're right. As a leader, you have to have that vision. You know, you, you're aligning people towards th that vision and that goal that you're moving towards. I, I think you have to inspire people. But there's also, when you look at the spectrum, there's people who are innately motivated and those who are just yeah. dead weight. Yeah. And why give yourself a harder job to, like, really wake someone up when someone can come into your company and already have yeah, that Yeah, knock that off. Absolutely. Just, just don't do that. So, Ryan, you had a great question for Josh Bazzoni yesterday, founder of Biotrust, on yep. stage. And that was, what was your biggest failure or your biggest struggle? We often sit here and we're like, we're a successful entrepreneur. I make so much money. But there's always like a big struggle or a yeah. failure that propelled that and really sparked that to happen. What was that for you? What was my biggest failure? Yeah, or when you're looking back, the biggest struggle you've kind of overcome to, to kind of blossom you know, and move into what you're doing. Yeah. Now. I mean, I tend to, I tend to go in cycles. And so every three years I have a pattern of expanding too quickly and then I have to contract. And that means cutting a lot of things that I'm was at one point excited about, or even people that I care about. And so the mistake that I have made perpetually <clears throat> is trying to expand too quickly, uh, uh, trying to force things to happen before they were ready to happen. Uh, I, I, am, I am now, I used this analogy yesterday of everything in me wants to force what's in my head to happen, but my life happens very naturally when I just allow things to bake and I keep adding the ingredients. And sometimes that's, that seems like a lot of hard work and if you're building an audience, putting out videos all the time, not going out and hiring a video production manager and a marketer and a, a script writer and an editor it's just putting a lot out and letting it bake and just letting it bake until the point where it just bursts. And that's the point where you start to expand and bring in people to allow that to happen efficiently. We try to figure out where we're going in our head and I am so guilty of that. For example, the biggest mistake in probably the last uh, two years was I had a product and a program that I was excited about that people were demanding and what I did was I sat down with my team and I outlined, hey, we could do this, and we could do this and we could have local chapters all over the world and we could have this program and this product. We could spend $50,000 on a great membership site and we could do this piece and this piece and this piece. This would be great, everyone will love it. And we sold it and people bought it because I recommended it and I had produced a lot of value for those people in the past. And what they got was this big box of things that they were like, what, like, what do you do? Like, this isn't what we want. This isn't what we, this isn't what we wanted. We wanted one little piece of this. It's like, no, but what about this and this? And now I've got to hire people to manage all this junk to the point where it just broke. So and what was the mistake there in your mind? The mistake was trying to do way too much too quickly before getting feedback from the marketplace, before okay. letting the marketplace determine where I put my energy. Instead, I put my energy into something and tried to sell it and bring people in. So the failure point, the failure point that I had was instead of letting things develop organically, trying to force them against its will, and every time I've done that, I've burnt out, I've lost money, and I have beat myself up and become depressed because I feel like a failure when I do those things. 
Ryan, why do you want to own the Cleveland Indians? <laughs> um, when I was a kid, the thing that I enjoyed most was watching the trades and trans- transactions in baseball. So I couldn't tell you the stats of any of the Cleveland Indians players, but I could tell you how every single one of them was acquired. Nice. I, I could tell you from top to bottom how we acquired each player uh, on the Indians. And I've always been fascinated with the business side of baseball. Well, I, so as a kid, I thought I wanted to be the general manager of a baseball team. That sounded like fun to me. But I grew up in a really religious home. And so uh, guilt led me to go to a very Christian school and study to be a pastor. And I didn't want to be a pastor. I felt like I had to be a pastor. So when um, I decided not to go that route, I kind of started to you know, say, okay, well, well, what's my dream? How am I going to go with this? I have always had this entrepreneurial drive and I love baseball, but I'm not going to study sports in hopes of getting a baseball job someday because other people are in control there. I guess the most reasonable way for me to be involved is to make so much money that I can buy the Cleveland Indians and give myself the job. So that's why I, I want to own the Indians. I love that. It's a, it's a, it's a matter of probabilities. Yes. It, it's, it's the probability of me getting a sports job is in other people's hands and much lower than me, based on my natural skill set, killing it in business and buying a major league baseball team. I love team. that. I love that. And Ryan, what's, what's I mean, where are you headed? We're, we're in the middle of 2018. As far as... The, the vision for yeah. capitalism.com, like, what does the next couple years look like for you? With oh, that man, you know, Jeremy, that's, that's so interesting because nine months ago, I got the biggest check of my life. I got an eight-figure check as the result of a majority stake acquisition in one of my businesses. Financially, I'm done, right? Like, I'm set for life. Yay, great. Now we have all kinds of introspection about what does life mean and what am I going to do with my life, right? (laughs) So I get to play with that. And everything in me, like, when I got the check, I relaxed for about 10 days and then I went right back into workaholism. And I made that mistake, tried to expand too quick, started to build new businesses and did that whole pattern that I have a history of doing. Right now, what I am doing is I am going all in on giving as much as possible for the mere fact that it feels good to give. So I'm producing a lot of content. I'm working with my, the customers that have been with me for a long time. I'm going all in on just giving as much as possible rather than forcing whatever the next thing is going to be. I predict that the next thing for me is going to be involvement with some sort of private equity group because I advise a lot of entrepreneurs who need capital that need advice. I happen to know some of the best entrepreneurs in the world and I can offer capital, I can offer advice, and I can offer a board of advisors that can help these businesses grow. So I predict it will be something like that. But for me to try and figure that out right now is just not where I am. What I, where I need to have my focus right now is going all in on serving the people that have been following me, who have been buying from me, who have been coming to our events, and giving as much as possible. Because I know that as a result of doing the right things for long enough, magic will just get baked and start to happen and doors will open and it will feel easy when the time is right. But I have learned my lesson. My, if, if you can't tell, the lesson I've learned in the last year to two years is every try, time I try to force something to happen, I lose my happiness, my energy, and my bank account. And every time I do the right things and just follow what naturally opens up, 
I make a lot of money, I get really happy and I'm really energized and I love my life and I wanna to go to work every day. And so I am, I am all in on developing capitalism.com to be a shining light for entrepreneurs because I believe entrepreneurs make the biggest impact in this world. It's not government, it's not organizations, it's entrepreneurs who are creating solutions to challenges. Even if that challenges, I don't wanna be poor anymore. I think entrepreneurs are the change engine behind everything in this world, everything that drives this world. And so I'm building capitalism.com to be that shining light for entrepreneurs so that they can make a lot of money and, and make a difference in the process. And by me going all in on that, other opportunities will start to exist. It will, will start to pop. And when the one shows up that gets me my Cleveland Indians, I'll go all in on that. So I'm in learning mode and I'm in serving mode right now. I love that. I love that. And I like to always finish off with, with this question, and that is you have the chance to go back in time and talk to your 18-year-old self. What would you want Ooh. to tell him? Don't date that girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing that I would say to my 18-year-old self is to is that everything, everything, everything is an investment and all investments produce the highest return over the long game, not the short game. When you're 18, two years feels like a long time. When you're 31, two years seems like less of a long time. And what I would say to my 18-year-old self is every time you play the short game, you will get short-term results. And when you play the long game, you will get compounding results that will astound you. And so often as entrepreneurs, we're looking for short-term solutions to long-term problems. But if you play the long game, you will get results faster and you will get them easier and people will be drawn to that. It's, it, it's, it's like the idea of, uh, you know, as we're recording this, a lot of people speculating in cryptocurrency. And some people have made a lot of money, and some people have lost their shirts. But people who in that same time frame have put their money into old, old school blue chip stocks are enjoying the biggest boom in market history. And playing the long game usually produces better results than playing the short game. And you'll be a lot happier in the process too. And everything is an investment. What you put in your mouth is an investment. How you move your body is an investment. How you spend your time, who you hang out with. I mean, Jeremy, I, I know this doesn't apply to you because you've probably never done this, but have you ever fought with a member of the opposite sex? <laughs> And, and what that does to your brain and your energy, how do you show up at work the next day? So are, is, is having a interpersonal relationship, an investment, does it have a financial ROI? Better believe it. Versus, versus if, if, you have, like if you have a partner that is like, I got your back no matter what happens. You show up and you're like, yeah, I will knock this out of the park. So there's a, you, you are more productive when your interpersonal relationships are sound. Have you ever ate a big thing of pizza and drank a bunch of Coke and then tried to work the next day? <laughs> How was your creativity? Yeah. Versus when you are dialed in and you're exercising and you're 
eating the diet we, we that's just had, best for you. We just had hemp seed. Uh, those the bowls we had. Yeah, we what had. What was in there? Uh, well, it was a smoothie bowl. Smoothie bowl topped with hemp, hemp granola and goji berries. <laughs> right. So we're all jazzed up. Is there a financial return to the food you eat? Yeah, you better believe it. What about the people you hang out with? Do you have some people that when you spend time with them, you come up with all kinds of ideas and you feel really energized versus the people that just suck you dry? So is there a financial return to who you spend time with? Yes, everything you do is an investment. And playing the long game on your investments always produces the best return in relationships, in finances, in food, always. Do you know what the um, ROI is when you're dead? Zero. But when you are healthy and active and live a long time, the compounding results of everything you do are enormous. Reminds me of the book you recommended me. You, you asked me to read one of my favorite books, The, the Slight Edge. The Slight Edge. Yeah. That's exactly uh, aligned the with that. The results that we get in our life rarely come from big jumps. Now that happens. Somebody gets on American Idol, career maker, yeah. right? But it is usually the result of doing the right thing for long years enough. Years prior, so years for, prior. So for example, I won't admit this publicly, but I love David Archuleta. So David <laughs> Archuleta is like a, a young pop star, right? He was on American Idol and he got big on American Idol. But if you peel back the curtain before American Idol, he was on Star Search, right? He was auditioning for things every day. He was like pounding pavement forever. Now you could look at that and say like, he got his big break. Yeah, he got his big break after years and yeah. years and years of hard work. Just That's away. what happens. So we, we tend to think that people who are successful have just these big jumps. And sometimes that does happen, but they almost always happen on the other side of years of hard work of just doing the right things over and over and over and over again. Ryan, thank you so much for hanging out today. Check out capitalism.com. I'll throw up your social links on the screen as yeah. well. Really appreciate it, my man. Proud of you, dude. You are, you. you are crushing life. This guy is amazing. Do everything he says. Pay him whatever he wants. <laughs> we'll talk soon, guys.